What's up, heretics? It's the Religion of Speed podcast, the show for budget-minded automotive enthusiasts by budget-minded automotive enthusiasts. I am Matt Overstreet. And I am Chris Hoffman. You know, yeah. I, I, went, I did like the grassroots thing, but really, it just comes down to the fact we're all broke. Right. In this, But we want to do cars. But we're often broke because we do cars. That is true, too. <laughs> that is a good point. We probably wouldn't be as broke if we didn't have this hobby. Yeah, but you know, it's like a drug. We're here, we're in it, we're addicted, and there is no methadone for this addiction. No, there isn't. <laughs> uh, well, I don't know. I feel like being in the automotive industry is almost that. You know, it's almost enough to make you not want to do it. But at the same time, it's like, you know, working like when we were at Aspen. It's like, mm. all right, you know, here's another all-wheel drive BMW sedan to quote uh four-wheel drive div services on. Yeah. But then that 78Z comes in. Yeah. And I get really excited, right. you know, even though I I should be jaded by that point. You would think so. You would think I at this point having spent my entire adult life doing car stuff. Yeah. And only car stuff for the most part. Right. You think I'd be jaded by now, yet somehow it still pulls me back in. Yeah, there's always that one car. You can have the worst day and yeah. then you see, you know, a bone stock EG hatch rolling down the street. And yeah. you're like, huh, one of those is still running. You right. know? <laughs> and and it uh it just draws you back in, which is cool because that means that we really uh we're in the hobby for good. Yeah, that's true. Uh it's kind of like the the other week when I tried buying the EK hatch. Yeah. I'll, for listeners, I almost got a smoking deal on an EK hatch, but I didn't get there in time. Got sold off from underneath me. But like, I don't need another car. But I just, I saw it and I got super excited about it and the possibilities. And it's like, I always wanted an EK hatch, you know? Right. So, it's just like, there's something, there's just something that's like, ah, I need it. Well, in a running EK hatch for 1800 bucks, I mean... It's hard to say no to that. Right. Even if you got out here and Kayla's like, hell no, you have too many cars, you could turn around and sell it for a profit. Yeah. True. Like, very easily could. It wasn't automatic, so we would have to fix that. But yeah. it's a Honda, so it's a Legos. Yeah. Easy to do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Super easy. That's why Kayla saw, said that. She's like, well, I wish it was a manual because I was going to build this for her little autocross car. Yeah. And I'm like, don't worry. We'll get that taken care of. Oh, that'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think Tony from K-Series Parts is still trying to sell his 450 horsepower D16. Oh, really? Yeah. He pulled it out there to go on K on it. Okay. Yeah. They're, they're getting... He's moving away from the single cam, huh? Yeah. Finally finally moving up to K, which I, I think, he, I think you know, they finally talked him into it because yeah. he's going to B-swap it because there's less involved in going from a D to a B. Yeah. But then they're like, hey, you're here. You might as well do a K. Yeah. You work at a place called K-Series Parts. You should <laughs> probably K-swap it. Yeah. yeah it, was, it was hilarious because it was over the course of the time I was there, two months I was there, he went from stay sticking with D to being whittled down to finally run into K. Didn't he get that in like the... The nines or the tens? He was yeah, ten eight. Ten with eight. a single cam. Yeah. Yeah. Only he had a, only like four hundred and fifty horsepower, he said, right? Yeah, but that thing was so light. Yeah. And that car I rode in it, man. Uh he took off in first gear and I was like, Okay, this thing's pretty fast. Then he caught grip in second gear and <laughs> my vision went blurry and I couldn't touch the dashboard. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Yeah. That thing he turned around to take us back to K Series parts and I'm like and we're a lot further away than I thought we'd be. <laughs> we traveled some distance. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah, no, people don't realize, you know, the thing that makes the Hondas fast is their lightness. Yeah. They yeah. don't need much power. They're easy to set up, but when you do build one with a lot of power, you have a ludicrously fast vehicle. Yes. Well, straight line. Yeah. 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 I mean, then again, I've seen some Honda Time Attack cars, but even then, they usually make like 500. They're yeah, not, they don't make a ton of power. Well, once you get to a certain point on a front wheel drive, you know you just have a hard time yeah. putting it down. Like if you every time you get on the gas, the wheel gets ripped out of your hands. <laughs> right. 
the torque steer is real. Yeah. Yeah. And it's real. It's not like this is before intelligent electronic differentials that vectored the power, limited right. it in the first few gears. Yeah. You know, it's, it's all down to the driver at that point. Yep. Yep. You got to hang on to it. And, and if you're only ever going half throttle with your thousand horsepower car, maybe you only need 500. This is true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point. If you're throttling back, then that's just harder to control. You can just re- decrease the power and be actually better off. Yeah. Spend more mental energy controlling the steering angle and thinking about where you're going to brake instead of like hanging on for dear life. Right. It's like... um I read an article way back in the day. I think it was in Grassroots Motorsports back in like uh, the late 2000s. I was reading an article about race teams finally adopting ABS modules into their race cars. Oh, okay. They said a lot of times it doesn't really come down to the fact that they need ABS, but it gives the driver more confidence to brake deeper and harder because they know even if they do go over the line a little bit, they're not going to lock up and slam into a wall. Right. The computer is going to save you. The ABS will kind of save you. You can back off and still keep control of the car. That is really neat because, you know, for the longest time, being able to go to a tin pedal on a non-ABS system, you brake faster. Yeah. But, uh, but technology has progressed so far. Yeah. I guess the ABS systems are sophisticated enough to outdo a, a human. I mean, like I said, it wasn't so much that they could outdo them it's just the driver knew like they didn't have to worry about locking up you've got the safety net yeah you got that safety net because you know in a a race car without abs if you lock up you're you're straight off at that point yeah you know so you know if you're pushing a car 10 tenths already like you don't have room for that kind of error yeah there's no margin right but yeah they found that they can just they were braking earlier or braking deeper than than normal just because they had that little that idea in their like back of their head that the car could do it you know the car would save them so in the same aspect driving a slightly lower horsepower car that you know you can control a little bit better would mean you could probably push it a little bit harder yeah because you know you've got a little bit of a limit right which makes me wonder with a budget race team could they just tell the driver he has abs (laughs) (laughs) yeah you got abs don't worry about it (laughs) Slam! You said that ABS. Yeah, well, must have malfunctioned. Yeah, I'll tell you. Um, also, on the since I weirdly got off on this ABS topic, apparently people are using ABS modules from oh, what is it like an E thirty six M three? Interesting. Because okay. you can ind- independently program it. Oh yeah, now these are the robotic ones, right? Because uh, I remember my Z3 had, it was a box in the back that mechanically actuated. No, this is electronic. Oh, wow. Okay. But okay. it's a, it's an independent electronic. Like it doesn't have to communicate with any other modules. So it's like, this is like the budget way of installing racing ABS, I guess. That is really neat. You know, those modules, the one for my Z3 was $1,000 just for the module. Yeah. That's the thing is the modules have kind of gone up in price since everybody <laughs> started using them and they only made them for a certain amount of time. So there's a limited stock out there. Yeah. But so the budget version is becoming quickly not very budget. <laughs> hey, that's, that's hilarious how that always happens though. Like, you know, five years ago you could pick up, you know, people were giving away E36 chassis. Right. And, and now they're like 10 grand for a good coupe with a manual. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's, wow. there was an E36 convertible in our parking lot the other day. I was like, holy shit, haven't seen really? one of these in a long time. Yeah, they've all been drifted into walls. Right? This yeah. one looked like it had been not drifted into a wall, maybe driven through some off-roading. It was it was rough, <laughs> but but it was it was there and I was just like, holy shit, that's... No, somebody would still pay an exorbitant sum for it. Yeah, yeah. Just like every other 
car that I wanted growing up now. Right. They're all crazy expensive. I feel like we've talked about this subject a lot. We I, don't, I don't want to reiterate this too much. <laughs> I, one thing I do, I, I have thought about recently is is that the E36 had to escalate for quicker than the S chassis did. Yeah. Because if an S chassis breaks, you can fix it. True. When the E36s were cheap, it was cheaper just to buy another car yeah. than to fix the yeah, one you had. Yeah, you just had. throw that one away. It's like, whatever. Who cares? Which is why you talk to a bunch of people now like, oh, you drift? Uh, yeah, I have, I've had like five E36s. Yeah. <laughs> and one S chassis that we've just kind of limped along this entire time. Right. It's still running. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, but to be a car guy right now is, like we said earlier, it's an obsession and it's expensive and it just keeps getting more expensive. Yep. We're just going to keep digging ourselves into this hole. Yeah. I still keep trying to think about the, what the next cheap car is. And me and you were talking uh, over text, and my idea right now is RX-8s. Yeah, because the RX-8 was never really that popular. No. Even because the Renesis just didn't have the same power, didn't have the same torque or reliability as a 13B. <laughs> Which is saying something. Right, right. It's not like a 13B is a paragon of reliability. But I feel like a 13B, if you take care of it, can last. Well, the Renesis, it seemed like even if you took care of it, they just had issues i think that was because they tried to make them more efficient yeah you know and try to like burn less oil and get better mileage and stuff like that but it's like right. uh the happiest rx or rotary engine burns a lot of oil and gets terrible gas mileage yeah. <laughs> if it's not shooting fire out of the exhaust and burning a quart of oil in between fill-ups yeah it's not happy right it's not <laughs> <laughs> you have to lubricate it yeah everywhere yep that's just how it goes even it's the combustion chamber yeah <laughs> right so and I think that was the big thing with the emissions. You know, rotaries burn oil. They're the base. They're kind of a two-stroke system, right? You know, and the EPA hates that burning oil is terrible. That's why two strokes are going away. Yeah, even in it's crazy. You used to be able to see like weed whackers and lawn equipment with two strokes. Now all of it's either electric or four-stroke, right? Which honestly, that kind of stuff like a weed whacker electric is way better now oh, yeah. than, like i that's a improvement in many ways yeah as long as it's not uh corded yeah because i personally weed whacked a cord a few times <laughs> yeah <laughs> but i feel like we've gotten to the point now with like the milwaukee battery packs that are just like so dense full of energy it's like yeah this makes more way more sense than a two-stroke engine yeah even the lawn mowers uh, you yeah. know i recently moved into a house and i'm gonna have to start mowing my lawn again yeah i'm excited to get an electric lawnmower. Do they make like riding lawnmowers that are electric now? I haven't seen a riding one, but I've always just had a push mower. I'm, yeah. You know, I'm, I've never had enough property to need an, a riding mower. True. Um, but I've always used gas push mowers. Yeah. And the thing is, it's so loud and you breathe in so much exhaust. And you know what? I love noisy, loud engines and breathing in the exhaust is part of the experience. But it's not like I have that experience when I'm mowing a lawn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not very visceral driving experience mowing the lawn. Yeah. It's like it, it, uh, being deaf for, you know... 30 minutes after you mow the lawn is, isn't as fun. Yeah. But with an electric mower, I, that'd be really exciting. And it saves that gallon of gas to go into a car and have fun. Yeah. There was something because California is banning uh, gasoline powered like small equipment now. Oh, really? I mean, at least the sales of new ones. Okay. You know, you, if you got old stuff, you're fine. Cause, yeah. Uh, that's just the way to do it. You don't want to punish people <laughs> that can't afford to upgrade. You know what I mean? Right. Um, but they they had some statistic. It was like mowing one lawn was like the equivalent of driving a Camry like 1,100 miles. Holy shit. As far as pollution goes. I mean, it makes sense. There's not like there's a catalytic converter on a lawnmower. Right. And it's not like we could afford to install one, yeah. especially with, with CARB in California. Yeah. That would just be 
It's like way too cost of Can you imagine taking your lawnmower in for emissions? <laughs> you have to you have to push it through a little tunnel and they have to run a run a pipe into your lawnmower. Wow, what if there was an OBD port on a lawnmower? Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> we I'm shocked we haven't got it at that point. Yeah, it's it's really surprising. I mean, I think if the advent of electric lawn equipment hadn't been so quick, yeah, uh, we would have wound up there. I think I think there would be counties. I think in L.A. County, you'd have to go get your push mower emission stuff. Yeah, I mean, you know, motorcycles come with cats now. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, the, that's a very recent thing, actually. How long ago did they uh, switch that? I couldn't give you an exact year, but it's probably within the last five. I would assume. Wow. Yeah. And that's maybe, wild. maybe before that, but it, I know for a long time they didn't have catalytic converters on them. Man, that's crazy. I mean, it, I mean, it makes sense. There's not enough space, and right. it's not like they pollute as much as a car. Well, yeah, I think that's the thing too. Catalytic converter technology had to get to a point where, yeah, they could be compact enough. Think about like '80s catalytic converters that are the size of this desk. Yeah, <laughs> slight <laughs> exaggeration, but they're huge. You right. know, and they they need like four of them on, in there and some air pipes and yeah. When it had all those '80s evap systems that would just break, and then now yeah. you can't track down those parts, right? <laughs> uh, like I, when I was working down at Aspen in Colorado Springs, they had a '79 Camaro come in. Oh God! And it, yeah. Yeah, so you know exactly where I'm going with this. It had all the period correct EVAP stuff on it. Yeah, the and air injection and, and stuff. And they're too. like, how do we fix this? Like Byron was just like, why do we take this car in? Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, well, why don't you guys just like rip it all out and put an exhaust on it? Like we can't in this state. Right. So you know that's because that's what those old Camaros are for. The ones because these things. I mean, the '79 put out like a hundred and. 20-something horsepower? <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> because of all I, the restrictions. I think the lowest the Camaro ever was was like one in like the 170s. Okay, so that's still ludicrously low for, for a V8 muscle for car. For an iron block engine <laughs> yeah. V8 muscle car, yeah. <laughs> it would struggle to get up hills. Right. <laughs> yeah, you have four people in the car, somebody has to get out. Like it's the opposite of like what we were just talking about the Hondas. They're so light you can get away with so little horsepower. Like right. that car needs that much horsepower. Right. Like it needs 300 just to move around a lot. Right. You hear three, well, 300 is a lot. It's like, no, 300 in that is like 150 in your Honda. Yeah. So, <laughs> so really you get is. a fast Camaro, you need like a four to 500 horsepower Camaro. Yeah. And yeah, this thing was in was under two hundred. Yeah, and you know it looked great. It was in seventies brown and everything. You know, and everything was stock on it. Yeah, but it's like a car like that. They need an LS swap. Like they need like to be gutted. Like the engine bay needs to be simplified. Right. Well, that's like okay. We'll get into bashing the EPA again. Like uh, that's one thing I, ha- I hate about emissions on like seventies and eighties cars here or anywhere that does emissions testing. It's like no, it has to be all. Original. You have to have all the original air pump equipment and all that good stuff for the catalytic converters. Like, no, what you do is you put a modern exhaust on it with a modern catalytic converter that doesn't require air injection to get up to temp properly, you know, and it's going to be more efficient, but that's illegal. That's illegal. You can't even update it. You can't update it. It has to be, it has to have everything it came with from the factory. See, that's even though that technology is now outdated. Right. And you can't even find the parts to fix it. Right. Like, I had to search for the ends of the earth to try to find emission stuff for that Z. Yeah. And some of it was still, like, completely unobtainium. Yeah. And it's just like, no, we can we can upgrade it and do it better. It'll make more power. It'll burn less fuel. It'll make less emissions. Right. But that's illegal because we modified it. You see, it's funny because back east, the 25-year rule is just like it's instead of like, oh, well, you have to have period correct emissions, it just falls off a cliff. Right. After 25, if it's 25 years old, you don't have to do anything. Oh, nice. You can just straight pipe it. Yeah. Oh, here, you still have to like, even if you have historic plates, 
which would limit the amount of miles you can drive per year. So that's like on a Ford Model A. Yeah. <laughs> you can get historic plates on pretty much anything that's like 25 years older, I think. Okay. But okay. it does – that. It's a cheaper registration, but it does limit the amount of miles you can drive every year. Okay. Uh, but you still have to get emissions tested. Yeah, that's that's ludicrous. Like, this is literally a car that's going to spend most of its time in a garage. Right, right. <laughs> like, like, I can drive it 100 miles a year. So, basically, two shows. Right. Or if it's a race car on the track. Yeah. And that's it. It's like, come on, people. Yeah. Anyways. At a certain point, we need to, we need to grant people a pass. Yeah. It's like, yeah, the, I'm daily driving, you know, that Camry that gets... 43 miles per gallon yeah. or whatever. The one that pollutes less than the lawnmower. Yeah. Actually, speaking of 43 miles per gallon, this is going to be a complete change, but I'm going to forget this if I don't talk about it now. Yeah. The new Ford Maverick, I think we talked about that. That little pickup truck. Yeah. Uh, EPA just certified at 43 miles per gallon on the hybrid. On the hybrid. Wow. Line. And it's a turbo four-cylinder? Uh, the hybrid? I don't know what engine that comes with, honestly. Okay. But yeah, no, it's, it's a little pickup that gets 43 miles per gallon combined. It actually gets better city mileage than highway mileage. Because you're, you're on the electric motor. Yeah, it has a really tiny battery in it, I guess. But I'm just like, it, it, it can haul around 2,000 pounds, which for most people right. is enough. That's enough if you're just dailying your truck. Right. Yeah. You know, that's enough to go to Home Depot and load up some bags of cement or sand or whatever. Or yeah, for us, that's enough to buy a new set of wheels and tires. Or, or be a support vehicle on the, yeah. the track as long as you're not towing with it. Yeah, as long as you're not towing with it. Yeah. Uh, the bigger Ford Maverick, the one with the turbo, the ST engine basically. Okay. Um, it's the turbo four-cylinder EcoBoost. That thing can tow like 4,500 pounds. That's impressive. Yeah. There's actually one in the – it might not be here right now, but there's one in the parking lot of my condo. Ooh. Somebody bought. If and that's there, I want to take a look on our way out. Yeah. It's – it's the perfect size. Now, like, now this is front-wheel drive though, right? Uh, so, hybrids are front-wheel drive only. The bigger engine one, I think you can get all-wheel drive. Okay, but like a full-time all-wheel drive system. Yeah. That's all you need. Right? I mean, a 4,500 towing compound, that could tow any car we own. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be fine. It actually had the uh, towing hookups for the four-pin or the seven-pin connector right on, right built into it. Now, that I love. That's like one little thing that I... I'm so happy car companies are doing, right? Because anybody who's ever towed with a car that's 15 years old, you have to go find your specific adapter, you know, be it, you know, four pin, and then there's two different four pins. Yeah. There's- Is there? Yeah. There's there's one with three male male connectors and one female and one with three female connectors and one male connector. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. And because I, I thought that was ridiculous too. I'm like, well, oh, no, you I, just I thought, stack these up. Well, yeah. I thought just the, the three female was the car side and the three male was the trailer side. But I've talked to people who like, hey, here, I have your four pin connector. When when I worked at the auto parts stores, I'm like, no, that's not going to work. And I'm like, no, nah, it's going to work. And then I went out and looked at their car. I'm like, well, I'll be damned. Somebody had to wire that in wrong. Yeah. yeah it probably backwards was. Backwards or something. Because there should just only be the two connectors. Right. There should just be, that's it. They yeah. connect to each other. But even then, back, like back in the day, even if you wanted, like, if you bought a truck, yeah. you'd have to add in that wiring. And like, if some of them came with a towing package that had a connector that you yeah. could just plug in. But a lot of them, you had to do this like strange wiring harness where you tap into the fucking brake lights and do all this shit. And that gets corroded and then your brake lights aren't working. Yep. You know? Yeah. The brake lights in your truck aren't working. Yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah. because the trailer connection's fucking corroded. Right. You know? And it's just, yeah, it is nice that now most trucks just come with that just like built in. It's yeah. It's just like, oh. Nice. Thank you. Like, why did this take so long? Right. Why Why was that so difficult? Like my F-150 had the tow package, 
but I still have to have a seven pin to four pin adapter to run any trailer. Yeah. So I've bought half a dozen of those while I've owned the truck because I can never remember where I put it. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Why? Why didn't they come with the two connectors already? Not right. One or the other. Why? Did, why couldn't it have had the connector that runs to the trailer wired in from the factory when it's a tow package, especially? Right. But it's like no, no. You have a Ford. You have to have this round seven pin plug that adapts to a square four pin plug. Yeah. For some reason. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I guess they just only – they didn't think people were going to tow small trailers with it, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. But, yeah, no. It, the fact that that Maverick, though, has that 7-pin means it has provisions in it for a trailer brake controller. So, you can actually run trailer brakes. Yeah. Which is going to save you a lot, especially like coming down the mountain and your Maverick towing your little camper. Yeah. You know. Which is what a lot of these are going to be used for. Yeah. Yeah. It'd, it'd be perfect. You can, you can tow a nice little pop-up camper or even like a little uh, – you know, baby Airstream or something with that, probably. That would be pretty fun. Yeah. And it's just like, I don't know. I, I really like that truck. I know there's a lot of people that are like, oh, front wheel drive trucks. Yeah. But I've liked since the Honda Ridgeline, too. I like the Ridgeline. I think yeah. it, it rides better than any truck at the time when it came out. It was comfortable. Trucks it's, trucks have gotten more comfortable now. Yeah. But, well, the Toyotas. Yeah. Yeah, the Toyotas are Lexuses on the inside now. Right. But even the Fords. The Fords ride really well. Uh I guess I, I did drive one of those new twin turbo Fords, and yeah, it, yeah. Did, it was pretty comfy. Yeah, compared to like your Ford. Yeah, that your Ford drives like a truck. Yeah, it's bouncy, yeah. it's squeaky. Yeah, but it's also you know thirty years old. Yeah, well, even then, even when they were new, I think they they rode like that. Yeah. <laughs> they did. It, trucks have become a different thing. Like back even in the mid two thousands, trucks were trucks. Yeah, you know, you used them for work. Yeah, and now they're a family vehicle. Yeah, because a lot of people just want to daily a truck. Yeah. They, they prefer the, to daily a truck. Which I don't really understand, but... I don't get it, especially like a 1500 or 2500 size. It, like a just, little Frontier or something, I can deal with that. Yeah, but the, those giant trucks, I'm just like, this is just a, a pain to maneuver through traffic. Yeah, yeah. Actually, it was funny when I, um, I, I got a delivery job delivering pizzas when I was in Knoxville. Okay. And I at the time, I had the WRX when they hired me, and then my WRX failed. Um, my, uh, see, what was it? My radiator hose exploded and took out my drive belt with it. Um, so it was out of commission for a little bit, um, because it kept overheating after that. Yeah. And I had to drive, drive my truck through downtown Knoxville delivering pizzas. Yeah. <laughs> and that got sketchy. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. Anywhere, anywhere downtown, like even my Fiesta seems huge in downtown traffic sometimes. Right. And this is the smallest car I've ever owned. You need like one of those Danish micro cars. <laughs> right. <laughs> Actually, I did own a Miata. Okay. Which Miatas are just so wonderfully easy to park, especially with the top down. Yeah. It, oh, God. I I miss having a convertible just for the field of view. It's so great. But it's, it's funny because when you put a convertible up, you have worse field of view. I almost... You can ask my buddy Tony Smith uh, back in Vassar. Um, not the Tony Smith that from K-Series Oh, that's parts. hilarious. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I now have two Tony Smiths on my Facebook, uh, which gets confusing. Uh, but... We were doing a road trip down to Ohio and I almost merged into somebody with him in the passenger seat because you have a passenger there right. blocking your side view right. uh, like window. And you have and no C-pillar. Yeah. And the, yeah. and the top was up. Right. And like I – there was no way. I did not see that <laughs> car at all. I even did like the blind spot check. Right. Didn't see it. The little plastic window doesn't cut it. No, it really <laughs> didn't. Especially because mine was all like faded. Yeah. You know? Like all of them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was faded and had a red strip on it because I had like – half gutted my miata so it didn't have anything any carpet on the partial shelf okay so every time it rode with the plastic down it'd sit there and just rub some paint off onto the That's plastic hilarious. window <laughs> yeah 
I don't know why I took the cart. I probably, I, I probably saved like two pounds removing the parcel shelf carpet out. Hey, percentage-wise, that's a lot of a Miata. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, so that that is definitely the smallest car I, I ever owned. Although, I don't think the Fiesta is all that much bigger. Fiesta is a very small, big inside car. Mm-hmm. Like, it's awesome how much you can fit in that hatchback. There's and- somebody on the group that sells a, like flat bottom or like uh well i don't know what you would call it so when you take out the rear seats yeah and it's just nice flat carpeted so you, like cargo thing so it looks like it's stock yeah. back there that's awesome yeah i'll show it to you after the podcast it, it looks really good and I, I wanted to do that but i'm just like man i'm not sure how i would like contour it to all the weird you know floor bottom yeah. i'm like oh this guy sells one for like 200 bucks cool i'll just buy one <laughs> that's way easier yeah it's like oh he did it already yeah. sweet <laughs> i don't have yeah. to Put in any of the development time. I was thinking when when uh, when my wife Cat gets another vehicle because she we uh, she has astigmatism and she needs something with lane keep assist. Okay. Um, I could I could do it. I could tune up her fit. You know, swap the motor, do some nice wheels and brakes. Yeah. And then remove the back seats and put in wheel and tire racks. Yeah. And you've got a support vehicle. Yep. I kind of thought about that uh, with the Fiesta. I was like, well, I might want to put like a roll bar in it at some point, and I think gotcha. it would be awesome to like make like a sub cage that would mount to the the roll bar that would be like a tire carrier yeah because like that way you can bring in a second set of tires to the track right yeah and they're nice and secure because I, I can do that right now but then they're like flopping around or squeaking yeah. on something you know like, yeah I've, I've i've crammed wheels and tires in the back of that fit before but yeah i'm like always very conscious of how i corner yeah and if i'm going to put coilovers and you know better brakes and a better motor in there it needs to be able to stand some g's yeah what, what engine will you put in the fit so, I mean, you know, having just come from K-series parts, the, the K-swap seems pretty attractive. Yeah. Um, and I've seen how, uh, so, you know, there's obviously really cramped engine bay. So, you have to either bevel out uh, a chunk of your radiator support because okay. the, uh, the K-series has the intake manifold on the front. Yep. Or uh, I saw this guy from Australia who literally cut the runners on his intake manifold and welded a little shorty manifold. Oh, okay. Up so that Just it was shorted clear. up. Yeah. He still had to bevel out part of his radiator. Oh god, <laughs> is it? That's a large engine to be putting in that tiny, tiny engine bay. Yeah, it's there's not a lot of room in the bay, but I think that would be such a fun car with a, a motor that had some balls to it. I just thought about this. I would have to look it up, but I believe the current Gen 1.5 turbo in the Civic, I believe, is the same engine block as the like, 1.6. The one in the, the SI. The, the one in the fit, yeah. I think yeah. I think that might be a direct bolt-up. That would be amazing. What if it bolted up to the stock trans? It might. Honda doesn't like to change uh, their you know bolt patterns on their bell housings very much. So, that might be a possibility. I want to say I was looking that up at some point, but... That would be a great fit for the fit. It would fit in the fit. Yeah. <laughs> Which also, we're, we were talking about CRZs the other day. Yes. Yeah. And that, I told you, I know for sure that's a fit engine in that. Yeah, the, the yeah, you did. Yeah. There was the hybrid system. It's got a little electric motor mounted with the flywheel with yeah. the clutch. Man, a Civic SI engine in a CRZ with the hybrid setup. Could you keep the hybrid setup? I wonder if it could handle the extra torque. I don't know. I don't I don't know if that would really be an issue or not yeah i'm not sure well, i know it's it's like part of the rotating assembly right there yeah it, it could bolts in between the engine and the trans yeah yeah i don't know if there's a torque limit on that or not I, I, i'd love to find out and it's funny because while you're in there you could overclock 
<laughs> the, right. the electric motor too. Well, I was just thinking. Well, I guess that that would be a torque monster because the one five they already it's like my Fiesta. They tuned it for torque, so it makes a lot of its boost low down. Yeah, yeah. And combine that with the electric motor. Yeah, that that thing probably make three hundred foot pounds of torque. That would be so much fun. And the CRZ's just got such a neat look, right? Like I I had such high hopes for that car when it yeah, came. Yeah, I out. know, right? Like, I was like, oh, sweet, a hybrid with a manual transmission. They finally did it. Now they've proven they can do it. And that's, this technology will trickle down to every other brand. And Honda's the only one who did anything with it. Yeah. They're the only one. Nobody else is. I mean, there might be some supercar or something I'm missing in my head. But pretty much nobody else has done a manual hybrid. Right. Yeah. Because all the manual hypercars are all the, uh, you know, hybrid hypercars are double clutch. Yeah. So, yeah. Honda's the only one that's done that. Yeah. And I, I I was so happy when I saw that for the first time. And I mean, plus it, it looks like a, you know, a new age, like a new millennium CRX. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really hope that car would do better, but it just, it didn't have enough power. Yeah, it didn't. And it didn't get enough mileage. Like right. it, it, it wasn't good at being a hybrid and it wasn't good at being a sports car. Worst of all worlds. Yeah, zero to 60 in nine seconds and like 20 miles to gallon. Like it was 22. Yeah. You would get better gas mileage with just a regular Civic Si. Yeah. It was more power. Would. You would. I think the Civic Si made almost, like in 06, I think it made almost that same power. Yeah. <laughs> or almost that same mileage. Yep. And I think you could even get higher if you babied it. Probably. Yeah. So, I did see one on the road the other day. We were talking about that. We never see them. And I did see a CRZ on the road the other day. It's so exciting when you see one, right? Right. I think the last one I saw was, it was a, a show car with a K-Swap at Bandamere. This one was pretty much stock with a bunch of anime stickers on it. See, that's what I wanted to see. <laughs> like, like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I, I wanted to see a bunch of CRZs with waifu stickers all over them. Right? Yeah. <laughs> oh. Well, Chris, do you want to stop bullshitting for a minute and get into the news? Because we've already gone half hour and we haven't even touched any of the news that we pulled up for That's this amazing. Week. We're still on the first tab. Right? Yeah. We got a, There's some, some car stuff to talk about. Yeah. Well, well new car is, stuff. I guess this is a car podcast. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we stuck with our, our, our theme. We we, we stuck yeah. to cars. We didn't get too much into bashing EPA or into politics or anything like that so far. That's true. We've actually stayed on track better than usual. All right. <laughs> so, yay our attention spans. Right. So, actually, you know what? We've been at this for 33 minutes. Let's take a little ad break, get some water, and come back. You know, I did say water. <laughs> There's no R in that word. Water. <laughs> and we'll talk about, man, Broncos and Civics and the biggest crate engine Chevy's ever made. Which is it's saying something, right? Yeah. <laughs> we'll be right back. I'm going to actually stop this and save it. All right. Welcome back, Heretics. I hope you enjoyed those ads. I don't know if you did. I, I'm trying to get my ads entertaining. There, I'd say the newest read is definitely better than the, the first one. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm learning how to be an, be an ad man. There you go. Be an ad man. Yeah. Learning my uh, inner um, oh shit, what's the guy from Mad Men? Don Draper. Don Draper. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'm ever gonna be that smooth, but you know, I wouldn't mind drinking scotch in the middle of the day. That is true. And not falling asleep somehow—that's like a superpower. I mean, it is the weekend. We could do that. That's true. We oh, could. I've got scotch in my house. Oh, all right. Yeah. Maybe we'll we'll have to do a, a scotch show. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of curious what a show would be like if we were really buzzed. I mean, the wine show was hilarious. <laughs> it was hilarious to me. <laughs> I don't know if anybody else found it too hilarious. The don't uh, wine and podcast show, <laughs> if you want to go back in through our episodes. Um, yeah. So, let's move on to this news. 
Uh, we're going to be talking about the Ford Bronco again, but the real Ford Bronco. The actual Bronco, the one from all the ads. Yes, not the yeah. Bronco Sport. Right. Um, and it looks like Ford is really tripling down on the fact that this is an off-road vehicle. Yeah, yeah. They really want those sales from Jeep. Yeah. And they've they've managed to incorporate a lot of the features people love about Jeeps right. with fewer of the downfalls, which I think is an awesome idea. Yeah. I, I do think this thing is going to be a hit, and we'll talk about... Uh, in a minute, how you know how much the aftermarket's going to jump on this? But even from the factory, there's going to be this Ford Bronco Everglades edition, and yeah. you 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 brought this up, so I'll have you kind of go over the features a little yeah. bit, which I thought was really cool. This comes factory with a snorkel and winch, yeah, um, which it's apparently one of maybe three vehicles in history to come factory with a snorkel. Um, there was a Chevy, uh, I think it was a Chevy Colorado that had an option. Okay, and I think there's it was a ZR2. Yeah, 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 and then the uh, t- Tacoma TRD Pro has, oh, really? has it as an option, or at least it did for a brief time. I didn't know they did a factory option for that. Um, but this car will have a factory snorkel, um, at least the Everglades edition, and so and a winch, which I think is really awesome. It looks like it's already in the Bigfoot trim. It's got the big tires, um, I'm guessing, because I know that there were two different versions of the uh, Bronco. Mm-hmm. You could get the luxury version or you know the more off-road oriented yeah. version. Um, I'm guessing this is going to come with the features of the off-road oriented version. Um, so you're going to have the plugs in the uh, in the floorboard, so you can just unplug them and hose the thing out. Oh, like exactly. I didn't Jeep. know. I didn't know that was a, f- a feature on these. Yeah, apparently that's really cool. I don't think they're doing it on the luxury version. I'm guessing it would create too much road noise. Or yeah, I'm sure it has carpet in those ones. That's true. You know? Yeah, not just a mat you can pull up. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, you know, it's got the removable roof. You can remove the doors on the Bronco without taking off your mirrors. Yeah, I, I was just noticing. I haven't really paid much attention to the Bronco because even though I think this is a cool truck, it's just it's not anything I'm probably ever going to own personally. It's really expensive. Right. Yeah. Uh, and it's very just like, you know, it, it does one job. Yeah. You know, it's off-road. It does. Uh, unlike we were talking about the Bronco Sport, which is not an off-road vehicle. Right. It's a on-road vehicle with maybe some bigger tires on it. Not does not make an off-road vehicle. This yeah. is an off-road vehicle. So it's actually, I imagine like a Jeep, it's probably going to, not have as good of road manners. Yeah, it's going to have skinny tires. It's going to sit up really high. Um, so, yeah, it may not be a good freeway cruiser. <laughs> right. Uh-huh. Or, it's you know, and for me, personally, if I want to get a truck, I want something I can tow. I'm not sure the Bronco is going to be the thing for that. It might, though. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, the point was, I'm just looking at this picture a little more. I did see how they did those mirrors kind of. It's like a wing coming off the bottom of the A-pillar. Yeah, and they designed that so unlike a Jeep, when you remove the doors of your Jeep, you lose your side mirrors. Right. Um, with this one, you can you can retain those, yeah, which is a hilarious <laughs> trade-off, right? It's such a Jeep thing. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, you take the doors off. What about the mirrors? Oh, um, well, I guess you don't get mirrors. <laughs> it's like they didn't even consider that. <laughs> what I wonder is how is that road legal? Because you, you need side view you mirrors. You have to have at least a driver's side side view mirror in most states. Yeah. Um, some states don't require the passenger side. Yeah. But you have to at least have one side mirror. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think we might talk about that before. Early Civics, the side, the passenger side mirror was an option. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm going to add too much cost to this yeah. bottom dollar cheap ass car. Yeah, it's like, oh, you want a mirror? You're going to, oh, Rockefeller. All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, I, I, I think it's really cool that they're they're really taking this seriously. The winch thing, I, I this might be the first vehicle uh, with a factory winch. At I, least consumer I think grade. so. Like, you know, you could probably get like a Unimog or something. I think, did the G-Wagon have an option with a factory winch? I don't think so. Okay. 
So there's, yeah, that might be the only one. And so I, I think that's really cool. Um, obviously one of the only ones to come with a snorkel. I like this thing. You know, I, it's like you were saying, I'm not the kind of person who would go out and buy a dedicated off-roader. Mm-hmm. But if I were in the market for a Jeep, this... Oh, I yeah. would take a Bronco over a Jeep any day. Yeah, and you know you can get this with a uh, a manual tra- transmission yeah. still. Um, not with a larger engine. You have to get the turbocharged 2.7 liter. I kind of want that engine anyways. Right? That's still... It's tunable. You right. know, you can make more power out of it. And it has six forward gears. Yeah. In, yeah. Or, uh, I'm sorry, seven forward gears. So it has a crawler gear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With a super low ratio. That's funny. I knew it was seven. You said six. And my brain just automatically thought you said seven. Right. Because <laughs> I'd read that. Well, I was like, wait, six forward gears. Mike Pierre's he has that. <laughs> yeah, right. Every car has those. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it has seven forward gears, kind of like a Corvette. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, having that super low ratio, that's cool. I don't know how useful it'll be. Maybe it'll just be a novelty. But, hey, it's that's a fun novelty. Right. Um, they've got forward-facing camera packages and stuff. So you can... Um, you can check for rocks, check clearances, and it all lets you stream it to YouTube. Oh, my God. So, you can... <laughs> all right. You know what? I take back what I said earlier, but I was living in the best timeline. We live in the fucking worst goddamn timeline. <laughs> you can automatically post to social media from your infotainment system. Oh, my system. God. You're streaming on Twitch while you're driving down the road. Yeah. What the fuck kind of world we live in? <laughs> I mean, hey. Somebody's going to make, make a living. Like... As a YouTube channel, right, just streaming their Bronco stuff. I mean, and I can't blame them for it. If I could make a living doing that, I'd do it too, right? I mean, we're kind of trying to do that. Yeah, so that's what we're trying much. to do. But <laughs> maybe we should buy a Bronco. <laughs> maybe we should. Apparently, we have to. Uh, any media people need to. That's the fucking weirdest thing. Oh, uh, yeah. No, I, I, I don't know. I like the Bronco, like you said. It's just, it's expensive. It's a little out of my, you know, w- what I need. You know. Well, we were talking about the Ford Maverick. That's kind of more. That's almost more what I need. I just need something with a little bit more towing. I wish. Yeah. I wish that hybrid Maverick had better towing because that would be fucking. I'd be like, yep, that checks all the boxes. Yeah. I'm buying one. <laughs> that's it. Yep. But yeah, no. If if you're looking for an off road vehicle, like Bronco is the way to go. And if you were concerned about you know the Bronco being new, and maybe you're the kind of person that likes to customize things a lot, you know, and like, oh, well, it's new. I'll wait a few years for parts to come out. Right. Oh, don't worry. People are jumping on these the, the aftermarket parts train like crazy. Oh, wow. Look at those light bars. <laughs> All look at those the light bars. Tracks. Yeah. <laughs> the mat tracks on that one. So, it, it really seems like the, the 2021 SEMA show is coming up here soon. And every year, you know, there's a certain car that's kind of like the darling of the show. Yeah. Uh, that was the Supra. A couple right. years back. Yeah, EAG Supra. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, just like there were Supras everywhere. Yeah. You know, everybody was tuning Supras for that show. And it seems like the Bronco is the one this year. Uh, there's Ford themselves is bringing six different ones. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, I'm betting Von Gittin's going to be here. Yep. I mean, the Bronco RTR Fun Runner is the first one on this list. I love that he has his own trim level of Bronco now. And I love that it's got the same lime green as every other one of his race cars. Right. I, I love the uh, the graphics on the side are like a topographical map. Yeah. Yeah. But they're still lime green, which is cool. I probably would have been more interested in contour maps as a kid if they made the lines lime green. <laughs> I, I love contour maps. I just have no idea what they're trying to tell me. So <laughs> I'm like, this looks cool. It's useless to me. <laughs> I'll get it tattooed on me, but I won't I won't use it. Right. But yeah, like this one's a uh, two-door with the top removed, light bar, lifted, beadlock tires, you know, your regular customization. Uh, this one 
they're putting like Dana axles in it and like go they're going all all out. Oh, it's a 2.3 liter. I think I said 2.7 earlier. Oh, okay. okay. So it's a bit smaller. Yeah, that's fine. No boost yeah. co- boost covers you. It's fine. Um, the next one is the Broncos by BDS suspensions. I like this one. It's a two door with a single cab hard top. Now that's interesting. So it makes it into like a little baby pickup. I like that. Right? That's cool. And that, honestly, that kind of is reminiscent of the original Bronco. Yeah. Yeah. People used to do that with the original Bronco too. I think I've seen that before. Yeah. And this is like, I don't don't know. There's just, you got your winch bumper on there. You got your big, big tires. Of course, you got your like six fog lights or running lights on the roof instead of the, the, I like that they did that with this instead of doing the. LED bar that everybody does. Right. They actually went with six distinct round lights. And you know, it's funny. Those round lights, they were starting to add those to K-Series before I left. Um, those are – some of those are like three to $400 per round light. Yeah. Some of the, the brand name ones can get pretty expensive. Uh, then you got the Mattract. If you don't know what a Mattract is, it's the the uh, tank treads that they put on in place of wheels and tires um, by Tucci Design, Tucci Hot Rods. These guys, when I saw that name, they actually built years ago, they built a wide body uh, Fiesta ST. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. A custom wide bodied Fiesta that they did like global time attack and stuff. That's cool. So these guys are big. They love their Fords. Yeah. Yeah. They're normally like a Mustang thing, I'm pretty sure, but they did this Fiesta. Now they're breaking into the Broncos. I mean, the tank tracks just look amazing. I don't even think they're that practical for most off-road applications. No, they're, they're mostly for snow, honestly. Which, hey, it would be cool to see this thing tearing through the snow. Which is also why it has snowboard mounts on the, on the roof. That makes sense. Right? Oh, this, that would be so awesome to go into the backcountry and just like go up somewhere, get your... Oh, you could you might even be able to use the winch like oh. to pull yourself back up. Yeah, and you could you could just go up runs that were completely un unrun, unspoiled, right? And just drive back down in your tank track Bronco. That would be awesome. I dig that. Uh, that's the only thing I want to really talk about because the rest are just kind of like regular customized Broncos. They're not even anything really that crazy. Just your typical wheels, tires, brush guard. They are doing Bronco Sports, which I'm. Uh, it just goes back to like. You're telling people that these are off-road vehicles, yeah, by bringing them out and making them all off-roady looking and stuff like that. Yeah, and and it, I feel like if that car didn't have the Bronco name, no one would even attempt that with these, right? At least not on this scale. Yeah, so I'm not so sure about that. You know, it's it's a cheap renegade, basically. Anyways, we're not going to get into that again. Uh, but if you go to the SEMA show this year, you're going to see lots of Broncos. <laughs> I mean, this is just the ones Ford's bringing out. I'm sure other people are going to bring out their own. I'd love to do a Religion of Speed SEMA one one year. That would be pretty amazing. I wanted to go this year, but uh, just didn't really work out as far as like starting a new job and taking a bunch of time off already. So Yeah. But hopefully Maybe next year. 2022. 2022. And hopefully by then, too, we won't really have to worry about gathering in huge crowds at all. I hope so. I hope that at least the, at least the large portion of this will have blown over by then. Right. Um, because yeah, that's that's still a worry, even though you're vaccinated. Yeah, it's it, still a worry. It's it's a it protects you like ninety percent. Yeah, but there's still ten percent. You go to Vegas with a bunch of people from all yeah. across the country. You're gonna in the automotive industry. Yeah. It's a town that's based on beating odds. Yeah, <laughs> it's very true. Uh, and yeah, I just I'd hate to go there. That'd be my last SEMA. So oh, that would be horrible, right? Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Anyways. 
moving on from the SEMA show, we got to get through this news quick. We are talking about autonomous racing. Now, this is neat. You know, I was a little uh, conflicted on whether or not I wanted to put this in just because we like to drive our race cars. Right. But, you know, this is really cool. And you brought up a good point before we started podcasting, which was, you know, that the technology trickles down from racing to other applications. Right. So um, this is really cool. They've been working on this, I think, for two years now, um, at least this specific challenge. Um but they've, uh, you know, they've done other events, um, building autonomous cars to drive themselves and try to do it quickly. Yeah. Um, and they've run a computer program simulation. They had a, co- a competition um, for this Indianapolis Motor Speedway already. And now they're actually getting to do it with Indy cars. Yeah. So I guess uh, it was saying these are the same cars they use in Indy lights. So it's not a full-blown Indy car. It's like the smaller, like, I guess you would call it like a Formula 2 car comparatively. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, but that's still a crazy fast race car um yeah no this is this is really cool in my opinion i've been interested in this we were talking about robo race before which is like uh lmp1 prototype cars yeah and i watched that race and to me this is just it's not the same as racing of course like you know because you don't have that i I guess part of the appeal this is going to sound really bad part of the appeal of racing is that it's dangerous i mean it it is yeah that is part of the appeal like i I love I love going out and driving quickly. I love that I get to go home to my family at the end of it. But knowing that you're kind of running that risk mm-hmm. is somewhat part of the appeal. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, any sort of extreme sport, you know, that there's kind of what part of the appeal is that there's a risk of injury or, you know, there's there's a risk in general that you're taking by doing these things. Because it keeps you in the moment. Yeah, that's um, true. You know, like it keeps you focused on task because if you do it too poorly, you could die. Yeah. <laughs> so I think even watching racing, you get that same like, man, these people are pushing it to the limit. Yeah. You know, one bad mistake, you know, and it's still possible to die in racing. It doesn't happen very often anymore. Right. But it's still possible. But there's that vicarious sensation. Yeah. From watching other people do it. So when I was watching the Robo race, you do kind of lose some of that, but you're also just like, in a way, like with the Robo Race, I was almost like personifying the car. Right. Right. You don't want the car to get damaged. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's like, um, how can I word this? Like, you look at a mannequin and like, I, I'll take a baseball bat to a mannequin. Right. You know, because it's just a plastic thing. Right. But like a robot that like moves around and yeah. like talks, you know, even the really just like not very technologically advanced ones we have now. Or, like, okay, watching the Boston Dynamics robots when they're, like, beating the crap out of the Boston Dynamics robots, yeah. you know, they get them to fall down. You feel bad for that robot. Right, because it, it you feel like it's trying, even though it's a machine. Yeah. Like, because it's animated and everything, you're, like, you feel a sensation for it. You attribute human traits to it. Right. And I kind of got that watching the Robo Race, and I think people will kind of get that with uh, autonomous racing, too, you know? Yeah. And I think they, they should probably play that up, too. I mean, I think it's cool that they can they can kind of take engineering exercises and risks that it wouldn't have made as much sense to do with a person. Yeah, that's what I'm excited about too. Because like, there we could build cars that could like blackout drivers. Right. Yeah, they could pull so many G's that you physically could not drive them. Right. Yeah, because that's Formula One drivers. Their necks wear out. Yeah. <laughs> just from the G's of holding their head straight when right? they go around a corner. Yeah. They get. It, those drivers get out of those cars like exhausted and winded. Yeah, you know? physically exhausted. Yeah, it's it's a lot of work. So maybe someday we can see a racing series with autonomous cars 
where they're doing like ridiculous shit. Yeah. Everybody always says, oh, Formula One cars can drive upside down if you know, they have enough downforce. All right. Well, now we're not risking human life. Let's right. fucking do that. Let's prove it. Yeah. I want to go upside down in Formula One car. Yeah. I want like Hot Wheels track style bullshit. Yes. And they could do that now. Yeah. With jumps and figure eights and flaming hoops. <laughs> right. <laughs> Like, if we're going to go down this path, let's have some fun with it. Yeah, we could go to extremes with this. Yeah. And, you know, if they're already running IndyCars, yeah. we're getting close. Yeah, we are. And uh, we were talking earlier, too. Like, I like this because doing your autonomous training on the road, you know, you're never pushing a car to its limits. Yeah, you're not. And part of the issue we're having with learning or with autonomous cars, right. part of the reason the only place that has an autonomous taxi service right now is Arizona because there's no inclement weather. Oh, okay. That yeah. makes sense. Because they can't deal with inclement weather or changing road conditions. They're programmed that the road has this much traction, you know, this kind of... Right. You know. But that's a variable. It's a... Even much Arizona with sand blowing This is true. Yeah. yeah. So, when you're pushing an Indy car to the limits at a circle track... Yeah. You don't have, like, you have to, I don't think people realize just how much a driver is actually doing. Yes. Even on a circle track. Right. You know, because your grip is going to change between lines. If you want to pass, you got to get off the, the racing line yeah. where you have different traction. Might be some some uh, beads of rubber up up yeah. on there that you have to deal with. Even, or, even paint on the yeah. road makes a difference. It does. So, if you can program a car to... Go at the limit and make those subtle changes, you know, at the limit that they need to make to be at the limit, then that will apply to the autonomous vehicles for the road and better safety for the people that are riding in them. Absolutely. I mean, it's hard to teach a Tesla what to do if your brakes are locked up and your steering's at full lock and right. you're, and you still have no grip. Like how do you how do you handle that like when you're over the limit? Yeah. You know, and that's um that's something where, you know, maybe we'll see autonomous drift cars. That would be like the ultimate expression of like being able to control, you know, your self-driving car being able to show control. Yeah, yeah. And if you can if you can program a car to go around a drift course sideways, you can program, you know, a road car to respond in the most extreme situations. Yeah. Um, yeah, because think out here. Think about out here trying to do autopilot in snow. Yeah, well, they, that, that's the thing is they're they, they're based on road lines. They're supposed to read the lines on the road. You can't see the lines on the road when there's snow on them. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, you have to be able to adapt. Yeah, you know, and with uh, you know talking about drifting on dry pavement, um, you can experience those same conditions at two or three miles an hour in the snow. Yeah, you know, you have such little grip that you need to be able to handle the car when it's fully sideways, you know, mm -hmm. when you're when you've exhausted all the options to control a car in the conventional ways. Yeah. Yeah, there there was a video uh on YouTube from Verstassium or something like that. That's a, like a educational science YouTube channel. Pretty pretty big. He had like millions of subscribers. Uh that he did an article about like, no, self-driving cars are already here. They're already good enough and or article video. And I was just watching that like in that's he did down in Arizona. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, that makes sense down there. Right. Like, they can kind of do that. And they are – don't get me wrong. Self-driving is actually further along than people might think. But, yeah, once you add in – like, I've driven home from work in the snow where I'm watching the telephone poles on the side of the road yeah. to make sure I'm still on the goddamn road. Yeah, because you have no other point of reference. <laughs> right. And the human driver knows to adapt to those things. Yeah. 
um, teaching a car to adapt to that is going to be different. Yeah. Know? So, yeah, self-driving is coming. And for, for me personally, I do welcome it because, like, I love driving. I don't like commuting. Yeah. You know, if I, I, if I, I like get my, to drive. Yeah. Yeah. If I can get back my commute, just like, you know, editing a podcast or listening to a podcast, like, like eyes or taking a nap. God, I would love that. Oh, God. If I could just eat breakfast and nap on the way to work. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, that would save me so much time. Yeah. So. Getting dressed. <laughs> right. You just have a closet and you just like slough out in your pajamas in yeah. your car. All right. Take me to work. <laughs> coffee machine like makes you coffee in there. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's pretty much an ideal situation because you're going to spend most of your commute sitting in traffic anyway. Right. And, you know, I love my sports car, but manual transmissions and traffic can, can wear on you. Right. Or shit, in the future, you know, we want to take our race cars to a track across the country. Yeah. You know? All right. Well, shit, I'm still working on the car and the trailer while the, while the truck drives me there. That'd be amazing. Right? Yeah. There's nothing else to see in Kansas. No. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. It's like ideal conditions for self-driving. Just yeah. go straight. <laughs> it's yeah. fine. It is. It's just straight and flat. You do have to get some cross angle in for the wind sometimes. Sometimes you do, Yeah. yeah. Uh, they have gates that'll close when the winds get too high on those some of those roads, don't wow. they? Wow, yeah, they close off a of 70 in, yeah. in portions of Kansas, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> it'll blow fucking semis off the road. I remember Matt Khalil telling me you couldn't make it home one day. because. Oh, of that. yeah? Yeah. That's crazy. Um, so, yeah, I think we did miss this race, right? You said... I think it's already happened. Yeah. Oh, no, October 23rd. Is that today? That's today. So, if you're listening to this today, which is physically impossible because this won't be published till like three days from now, uh, <laughs> you can watch this series. Um, what was the series even called? See, it had a, I think it was I, it had I something, it had an engineering. Um... Indie Autonomous Challenge. Okay. Just Google Indie IAC. Autonomous Challenge, IAC. And uh, yeah, I'm going to probably watch that tonight, actually, because I'm, I'm just curious to see how it went. Because I was telling you before, the Robo Race, everybody was... Uh, oh, I never got to it. The The thing about the Robo Race that really brought everybody's attention is as the cars were going out for their outlap, one of the cars just suddenly decided for no reason at like 10 miles an hour to steer its way into the wall. <laughs> and it was out for the competition. It bent some suspension. And that's like a crazy glitch. Right. Like that nobody planned for. And now they can go back through and be like, what happened? Why did this car commit suicide? Right. <laughs> It just got really nervous going on the tracks. Like, no, fuck this. Yep, no, I'm not doing this. <laughs> but and that also, you know, brought up some uh, worries about self-driving. Like, you know, this is a team of engineers. College, I mean, they're college students, but they're still yeah. engineers. You know, and it's a racetrack, which is almost ideal conditions. Right. Yeah. As long as the weather's okay. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, and it still just drove itself into a wall. And you yeah. expect me to trust <laughs> Tesla. Just like giving you an over-the-air update, like, yeah, sure, it drives itself now. We don't care. Right. Like, yeah. no. It's like, oh, are we part of the beta test? <laughs> you are. Yeah. You are the beta testers. <laughs> oh, man. So, we, we talked just a little bit ago about self-driving drift cars. Yeah. As of the time being, we still need a driver in those cars. Thank yep. God. And uh, <laughs> one of the best is actually taking a short break from drifting, and that's Von Gittin Jr. Which is, is wild. I mean, this guy is... I mean, it's hard to say any one driver is the face of drifting, but at least for a, a moment, this guy was the face of drifting. Yeah. Well, especially here in America. Yeah. But I feel like even in Japan, he had quite a following because he uh, did the, the uh, D1, D1 Grand, Grand Prix. Prix. Yeah. yeah. He, he was one of the only, I think he was the first American to ever place in the D1 Grand Prix. Yeah. I think he even won an event out there. Yeah. So, like, 
this this man knows drifting. Yes, he does. And and he's a really cool guy. I've met him a few times in the pits. Um, I have an autograph for him from 2006. That'll be in the thumbnail. Yeah, we're going to um, include that picture when, for sure. And he was a bigger guy and wore <laughs> the teal and blue before he got the Monster Energy sponsorship. Yep. Um, always been in the Mustangs. And it's cool because now with he, that he's with Ford Racing every year, he's got a, a new Mustang. Yeah. But yeah, we were talking about the RTR. You know, yeah. that's his, that's his brand. You know, now they're doing the Bronco stuff. You know, the the man is killing it. He really is. He's he's the kin block of drifting. Yeah, which is funny because they're both Monster Energy sponsored. Right. Yeah, they're they're definitely teammates. Yeah. Well, in fact, they were both driving forward for a while, but now Ken's moved on to Audi. Yeah, which you know we've talked about that, but that's a that's an awesome move for I think Ken and Audi. Right. Yeah. No, that's a, a great idea, but. uh no, Vaughn's just, he's, he's taking a step back from drifting. Like we said, he's kind of killing it with everything else. He's got his RTR stuff. Uh, he wants to, from this article, it sounds like he wants to focus on his off-road racing a little bit more, which is like, you know, his, was it all four? I can't remember what class it is, but it's desert off-road racing. Gotcha. And his new Bronco. Yeah, <laughs> which we got to see those do some jumps at Grid Life. Yeah. That was fun. Yeah, drift o- or jump over drift cars. Yeah. yeah. Fucking awesome. That is That is wild. So, so yeah, I guess, you know, that's fine, though. They give somebody else a, a, a chance to succeed in drifting, you yeah, know? Yeah, which is cool because now they've got Chelsea Denofa, mm-hmm. who's an incredibly talented driver. Yep, and um, he's going to be taking over, like, the main spot there for RTR. Which is cool. I mean, I think he'll do a great job there. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I have uh, I haven't personally met him, but I've heard great things about him. Um, and he reps BC Coilovers. So yep. Can't find any fault with that. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, he's... One of the people giving BC a good name, you know? In fact, there's his his car in this picture drifting alongside the Ford Mach-E race car thing they made a while back. That is cool. I mean, as much as I hate the fact that they put the Mustang name on that. Yeah, at um, least at least they made a race car out of it to be like, see, it, it is actually you know, a performance see, car. it is a Mustang. Granted, this thing was like completely custom yeah. and bullshit, but that's not the other day. Ford built the electric car. It's just it didn't need to be called a Mustang. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's a, it's a, uh, what's a five door, right? Yeah. That's yeah. It's a, it's an SUV, you know? Yeah. But honestly, in this picture, like it's not that much bigger than a regular Mustang. Yeah, slammed down with flared panels and everything. It yeah. looks pretty good. Right. And that wing is is insane. Right. Just this <laughs> insane wing on the back. Um, but yeah, no, I wish Von getting the best on all of his endeavors. And I can't yeah. wait to see what RTR does next. And Hopefully, yeah. we'll still see him at some exhibition drifting. Yeah, he did say in this article he's still going to be doing, uh, he said like motorsports festivals and stuff. So, that probably means grid life. Nice. You know, without saying grid life. Right. You know. Yeah, but that, that makes sense. I mean, the competition is a lot of pressure and you can only compete well in so many things. Right. Yeah, he said he was doing uh, 40 events a year, which yeah. there's only 52 weeks in a year. So, yeah. So, that means he does not have a lot of time off. And right. He spends most of his time traveling. So, and he said he's got kids now. So, it makes sense. Yeah. No. I mean, why not like kind of back off while you're still on top? You yeah. Know? I'd love to own an RTR Mustang one day. Mm-hmm. They're nice. Yeah. I just I like the mods they do on them. You know, it's the perfect kind of street. Yeah, Mustang. And and there's different stages, so you can go all the way up to like I think stage four, stage five is the top end, and the, and that's supercharged like 700 horsepower. Jesus, I I do love like stages. Yeah, the, the fact that they have no bearing on anything. Like it's people, just what we decided. Yeah, yeah. What, 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 <laughs> like I was telling you about those weird. Uh, ECU tuners, the group I'm on on Facebook, yeah, who yeah. we have like Eastern European ECU tuners, but there, there's Americans on there too. But 
there was an ad for this software and it was like, you can do stage one up to stage five, six, or seven. And I'm like, on what? Right. What does that even mean? Yeah. Where's my point of reference here? <laughs> yeah. On what car, right. what mods? Like, what, does, <laughs> what is a stage seven? <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I didn't even know they went that high. I could just say I yeah. have stage seven. I think with Cobb tuners, stage one is no mod, no physical bolt-ons, just ECU reflash. Yeah. Stage two is a downpipe. Yeah. But it, it, I think it's with Dynan, stage one is an intake. Yeah. It's <laughs> dependent on the car and the manufacturer and just like – yeah. I just always love in like Craigslist ads. They'll be like, this is a stage three car. Yeah. What does, what that, does mean? that mean? What I don't know what that means. It's a stock car with a stage three clutch. Yeah. <laughs> what does a stage three clutch even mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it means uh, it's hard to drive and I have a good reason for it. Yeah, I, I guess. I, just, I, I hate I hate stages. I hate when people talk about stages. No, what do you have done yeah. to the fucking car? It's I don't... Like, like, that doesn't mean anything. No. Yeah. It literally doesn't. A stage three clutch for a Subaru is completely different than a stage three clutch for a Mustang. Yeah, that's true. You know? How it feels is going to be completely different. How yeah. it engages is going to be different. Yeah, that literally tells me absolutely nothing. All I can tell you is that a stage three can handle more power than a stage two and less than a stage four. But yeah. <laughs> How much power is that? We don't know. But not if you change brands. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you will need one hell. You probably you probably need a stage seven clutch though to put behind this next engine we're going to talk about. Yeah, because this mo- monster makes a thousand horsepower naturally aspirated on ninety three octane. She's, this is pretty awesome. I love that there's still a market for this stuff. <laughs> right. Like I love that there's still people because I imagine this thing costs like forty thousand dollars. Oh, it has to. And there's but that's just it. Chevy brought it out because they knew that. People with their old Camaros or their old, you know, their old uh, Novas, you know, honestly, you don't even have to stick with Chevys when you're talking about this much customization. This is true. Um, That there are going to be people willing to make quarter million dollar builds with this thousand horsepower crate engine. Yep. And this crate engine they're calling, uh, Chevy Performance is calling the ZZ 632. 632 being it's cubic inches, which (laughs) means it's like 10 and a half liters. (laughs) Of naturally aspirated big block fury. Which is more displacement than the Vipers V10. Yeah, it is. <laughs> that's what, 10 and a half liters, that's like four Honda engines. Wow, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's more than four K20s. Yeah, so it's, it's four K24s. Yeah. Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> that, that is insane. Uh, yeah, 1,000 horsepower, 876 foot-pounds of torque. 7,000 RPM redline. N-A. N-A. 93 octane. Not even on race gas. Yeah, that's that's insane. And which it, which means you could probably put race gas in this, pump, bump the timing up, and make yourself 1,100. Wow. And that's still without getting into forced induction, and you know somebody's going to put a big blower on <laughs> Right. <laughs> oh, God. That's going to be insane. So, you know, of course, this is kind of out of our realm for, uh, you know, budget-minded. No, this because, is not grassroots. No, it's really <laughs> not. This thing is insane. But, you know, they make other crate engines and stuff. Yeah. The, this, the LSX right there, that's the one that they put in the um, – I believe that's the one that you can get from Flying Miata in your ND as a turnkey swap. Yeah. Yeah, because it's a LS block. So, yeah. it, it will fit, you know, mount up. I don't think you – I mean, somebody did put a Hellcat engine in a Miata. So, I'm sure yeah. with enough finesse, you could put this monster yeah, engine But they in completely removed the firewall. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. It's like – it takes a little bit of work. <laughs> I, t- I, t- I saw the interview with that guy, and they're like, any any advice for someone who wants to do a Hellcat swap in their Miata? He's like, yeah, just go ahead and cut everything out to begin with. Because <laughs> like, I tried to save some things, but I ended up removing all of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking great. Uh, 
yeah, I, I'm just happy Chevy still makes great engines too. Like, yeah, you know, the fact that they're still doing this and they're still getting away with it. That's kind yeah. of what's surprising. I mean, this one's too. carbureted. Like, that's this cool that they can still build that. Right. Yeah, that's uh, the 572. So, uh, when I was growing up, a buddy of mine, his dad had a 502 crate engine in okay. a C10 pickup. And that thing made like 500 horsepower. And back then, that was huge. Yeah, and it had drum brakes all around. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> it got up and went really fast. Did not stop for the shit. That is a death trap. <laughs> it really was. The crazy part is he let his 17-year-old son drive it. Wow. Right? I mean, Nick, Nick was a pretty responsible person. Yeah. Well, he still is. He's way more responsible than me. But <laughs> still 17 years old. And I remember he had his first car was a Dodge Shadow Turbo. Okay. And I remember us driving that thing around at 115 miles an hour in the country back roads for like hours. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a good upbringing. Yeah, it really was. That's a good way to come up. You know, it, it, growing up in the country had its downfalls, but it also had its benefits. Yeah. Like yeah. getting away with that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, you know, if you grew up in the city, it's a lot harder to get away with stuff like that. Yeah. And where I grew up, it was all just like flat, straight roads. So you could just peg it and just like... Just cruise. Yeah, that's kind of fun. That sounds awesome. You could actually just line it up and go. Yeah. Like how far? Where does it top out? We're going to find out. Right? Yeah. That little Dodge Shadow Turbo, too. That thing was... That was it, cool. it was a pretty quick. And it topped out at 115. Yeah. I think that was, I think we were bouncing <laughs> off limiter at that point. But, you know, it was a little 2.2 liter turbocharged Dodge and a little baby two-door car. Yeah. I don't know if you ever... Have you ever seen those old Shadows? I don't know if I've seen one of those. And what, what year was this? Uh, Like a 90, probably. Okay. So that's respectable power for one from that era. Yeah, just like that in red. Little that is little nice. two door. Like I, I I like those. That's a cool little car. And it's front wheel drive? Yep, front wheel drive. Back when the, the turbo dodges were a thing. Man. So did this have Mitsubishi DNA in it? Uh yeah. Okay. So it had the did it have a four G six three? No. Okay. No, this was a an actual like Chrysler based turbo engine. Wow. Yeah, okay. Like single camera. That's interesting. But I'm pretty sure that you had like a lot of Mitsubishi DNA in it, you know. Gotcha. All these old Dodges did without being – some of them were just complete like Mitsubishi cars that rebadged as – like the Dodge Colt I think was a Mirage. Okay. Okay. Like the, like they did with the Plymouth Laser. Yeah. Well, no. The Laser was uh, – That was an Eclipse, wasn't it? Yeah. But that was – that was all built in America. Really? Yeah. They didn't sell uh, – eclipses 1g's or 2g's in japan interesting that was all that was like that was the chrysler mitsubishi like this is you get this for america so the eagle talon the eclipse and the laser were all american domestic market vehicles yeah that is interesting especially considering the 4g63's history in japan right because it was in the evo 3 and evo 4 at that time dodge and mitsubishi in the 90s was just like this weird just they're just tr- throwing shit at the wall, trying to make <laughs> things work, trying not to go bankrupt. Hey, we got a lot of cool turbo cars out we, of it. We did, yeah. Yeah. Um, some all-wheel drive turbo cars because, yeah, there was the – we had the GSX and the yeah. Talon had an all-wheel drive version. Yeah. If I could find myself a, a 2G Eclipse GSX, I still really want one. It would be cool. And, I mean, you can still put all the Evo stuff on it. Yeah. I mean, there's still a following for it. You can still get a lot of parts and stuff. You know, there's still people out there building 4G63s. See, that's cool. You know, I talked to somebody. I'm, I, I haven't confirmed this, but I talked to somebody who said he went to Thailand. And the people in the riverboats had like 4G63 motors for their oh, riverboats. Really? Like crankshaft bolted straight to the propeller and you just kind of tilt I've, the whole thing down into the water. I've seen the diesel ones. The, okay. the videos of the diesel engines. And they look like those little riverboats rip. <laughs> 
and they're just spewing black smoke and it's just it looks like I want to go to Thailand. If we go to Thailand ever, like I'm finding these racing riverboats and riding in one. That'd be fun. Right? I'd love to go to Thailand. It's supposed to be a great uh, budget vacation. Yeah. Uh, I've heard uh, Vietnam is becoming, like Thailand's kind of getting more expensive and right. Vietnam's on the up and up now. Oh, hey, Vietnam's beautiful too. I'd be happy with that. Right. But I've heard Thailand's car scene is actually pretty cool because it is like it, it's us. It's budget. You know, these people don't have money. Yeah. So there's a lot of Hondas rolling around out there, and just a lot of people. Like, there was a like a '94 Corolla that somebody built in Thailand that went around the internet a few years back because it was just it was gorgeous and everything was like all fiberglass, hand built body kit and shit like that. You know, they don't have, they can't just go buy shit there. Yeah. So they, they have, have to make, make it. it. Yeah, and it leads to like way cooler customization, which is really funny because they're like. Right there next to Japan. <laughs> right. But they just don't have the money. Yeah. Like, it seems like in Thailand, like, we want to talk about America having, like, a wealth gap. Yeah. Like, Thailand's, like, a whole other fucking level, you know, because there's, there's people in Thailand rolling around in, like, you know, super hypercars, you know, your $3 yeah. million hypercars. Yeah. And yeah. then everybody else is, like, lucky to have a car. And, yeah, I know that there was, like, one of the most expensive hotels in the world was in Bangkok at the yeah. same time that it was, like, one of the poorest areas to be. <laughs> yeah. It's... <laughs> fucking weird how that works sometimes yeah i mean i guess when you've got that much uh economic disparity there's a lot of room for exploitation true somebody's gonna step in and make some money yeah yeah when you have a workforce that's that willing to you know slave over the like pennies pretty much just to provide for their family then you can exploit those people yeah and roll around and you know mclaren p1 right so Man, I thought we weren't going to talk. We we're going to talk about politics this time, but couldn't get there. You can't avoid it. Can't, I mean, it's just the way of the world. Yeah, we're always going to touch on philosophy, right? <laughs> uh, I guess you know what that I, I I can do this. I can do this transition. The philosophy of cars, in my opinion, I follow Colin Chapman's philosophy: mm-hmm. simplify and add lightness. Yeah, and the Literally. nothing is more symbolic of that than the Lotus 7 or in this case the Caterham 7. Yeah, which has kept it alive. Yeah. You know, and I think these things would be so much fun. I watched one of uh, one of these guys in a Gymkhana competition with a Caterham 7 kit car. Yeah. He was sliding around and he was the only guy who didn't have to get out of his car to, to fix the cones. Was, <laughs> he just, yeah, flop he him just up. drove by it and just picked it up. Yeah. Um, the reason I bring up the Caterham 7 is because I didn't know this, but apparently Caterham is owned by a Japanese firm now. I did not know that. Yeah. So, as part of them buying them up, they wanted to make a K-Car version of the Caterham 7. That is awesome. So, this version of the Caterham 7 is narrower. They actually narrowed it up quite a bit. It's kind of hard to tell in this Which picture. Which says a lot because they were already really narrow. <laughs> right? <laughs> so, it's really narrow, really tiny tires on it. It has a 660cc turbocharged Suzuki engine. Oh, that thing would be a blast to drive. Right? And with those skinny tires, you can still slide around. Oh, this thing would be so much fun. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, Just don't register it in Rhode Island. Yeah, apparently, (laughs) because you will just get kicked out because this car is unsafe, which uh, I don't know. I can maybe agree with that on the Caterham 7. (laughs) But the, the, uh, the blue one they have in this ad with the, like, the tan interior, the baby blue, this is just... In my opinion, like the Caterham 7s have gotten to the point where you can get one so extreme. That makes like 400, 500 horsepower, has like big wings and all sorts of stuff now. This though, this is like, in my opinion, the ultimate modern version of Colin Chapman's uh, vision. Yeah, this this is the essence of the original Lotus 7. Yeah. 
and it's cool because you're right. There's 500 horsepower versions now. I think one set the lap record on the top of your test track. Yeah. Um, you know, because it was with the Stig driving, it was it was at the ragged edge of control the entire time. <laughs> yeah. But it was still, I think, faster around the track than a Veyron. Because I would be surprised. They weigh like 20 pounds. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and, you know, the turbocharged 600cc motor, so they say, how much power? 84 horsepower. Yeah, because that's, uh, I think that's the limit for K cars in Japan. Oh. They're actually living on power. Interesting. So, yeah, I didn't know that. A lot of the reason they do turbocharging because they can make that much power out of like an na 660 yeah. i mean it'll be kind of really pushing it uh but they try to get broader torque curves that makes sense to make it more usable right because they're like well we can only make 86 horsepower but if it makes 86 horsepower at all rpm yeah then you then know. it's really fun right <laughs> i mean a lot of a lot of turbocharged commuter vehicles don't make it at every rpm exactly you know so that that's that was kind of the point of like the twin charged ones and stuff you know they gotcha. wanted the broadest torque curve they can yeah. to appeal to that always have that on tap yeah i mean this thing would be a blast man and i bet it's a lot more affordable i would yeah i would think so i mean if you're gonna make a k car part of the appeal is you know affordability yeah so i wonder if you can still buy this as a kit or because before they were acquired by the japanese firm i think you had to you could either buy it as a kit or you could buy turnkey complete models okay yeah, because didn't they do that on Top Gear? They yeah. built the Caterham while racing the Stig driving to them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, they would recommend motors. I think they recommended uh, like turbocharged or supercharged Ford motors. Yeah, they were doing a lot of Duratec engines yeah. at the time. But you could easily put a case, a K-series in there. And yeah. You've got plenty of power. Yeah, K-series would be great. But I guess these are only for sale in U- the UK and Japan right now. But, man, Caterham, please, please offer this little version in America. I would... I would love one of these. It would be really cool. I wonder what the logistics are. If they're only available for sale there, I wonder what the logistics would be to get a kit and ship it over here. Since it's not a car you have to register until right. you put it together. True. Um, you might be able to find some interesting loopholes. And then you can just go to Montana and they'll just be like, yeah, here's a title. We don't yeah. care. <laughs> it's registered as like a quad bike. There, there you go. <laughs> uh, all right. Our last story of the day we're going to talk about is – I want to say this to last because we might have some comments – is the new Civic Si. I'm, I don't want to say I'm disappointed, uh, but I'm disappointed in one factor. It's only going to be available as a sedan. That is disappointing. Um, you know, there have been some really cool Civic Si sedans. The Mugen Edition one was really neat. Mm-hmm. I've seen people building clones of that because you can't find a real one anymore. I actually had a guy in a four-door Si of that generation. He just like pulled up next to me one day. He's like, oh, your car sounds great. I was like, oh, I really want one of those with a Mugen edition, and I want a supercharged. And I just think it'd be a great daily driver. Yeah, yeah, but uh, get some boost low down because that's where the Hondas always fall flat on their face, right? Yeah, but yeah, because I and I want that four door. I just think that'd be a great, you yeah. know, thing. But but you had it as an option, exactly. Yeah, and the coupe from that generation was gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Like the All body the lines coupes. are perfect. Yeah, I, I love the the. So this is what the eleventh gen, right? The new one? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, which I think you can get the non-hot Civic as a coupe still. No, you can't. Oh, so there are. There's no... No, no coupe as 11th gen now. Oh, man. That's so sad. Yeah. I wonder if Honda's going to come out with another, like, small coupe. Well, see, like, that was... Slotted underneath it. See, that was my idea from the beginning when people said the Integra's coming back. I was yeah. like, okay, they're going to make the coupe, the Integra, and four-door the Civic right. as far as, like, performance models. I'm like, okay, I can see them doing that to differentiate. Right. But we know now that the Integra is going to be a five-door hatch. Right. Just like the uh, the Type R. And, you know, that's 
it's sad. And, you know, I I actually brought this up to Chris at K-Series because um, I was like, oh, we were disappointed about that. And he's like, well, coops don't sell. He's, and it's he's, like, he's not wrong. And, you know, they have a narrow market, but they take the best photos. They really do. <laughs> like, if, if you want your car to look good, you want something to slap on the front of a magazine or have parked out front to draw people in to buy the sedans. True. I think the coupe still has a role. Yeah, but is do you get enough of publicity to, you know, make a whole different assembly line and whole different panels and stuff for the coupe? I mean, that's a valid that's a valid question because it's, it's not like the the tenth gen Civic coupe. It wasn't just like it was a four door with two doors. It was a whole different roof line. Yeah, and yeah, the, I think the headlights were even like different shapes. Like you have to buy sedan or coupe headlights. Right. It was a significantly different car. Yeah. So. I can see if the sales just weren't there, them not doing it. But I am disappointed the sales weren't there. It's really sad. You know, and I guess maybe it's cheaper than building an entire Halo car. Yeah. But maybe it doesn't draw in as much business. Yeah. Like if they came out with another like a Honda S2020, you know, like yeah. another Honda S2000, that yeah. would, they could do that as the Halo car. And truthfully, I'd rather have that than a Civic Coupe. Right. Um, I... I'm sad that we live in a world where the two can't exist together. Yeah, I'm I'm just sad we live in a country where two-door cars don't sell. I know, right? How many people are carrying that many people around now? It just, I feel like it's an American thing to be like, well, I might need it someday. Right. Like, I'm, I have no friends or family now that I've... You know, roll <laughs> around with, but maybe someday... One day I'll have a kid, and it's like, you're going to trade this car in before that. Right, you're not you're not going to use a Civic. You're right. going to want a big fucking SUV at that point. Yeah, you're going to buy a, a minivan or an SUV, and right. even if you want another car, you'll get a bigger sedan. Right. I, I, it's sad to see coupes going away. Um, I think they're the they're the best looking cars on the road. Yeah. Um, and I think they're really fun to drive. You can do cool stuff with a seating position on a coupe. You can't do that with a sedan. I I like coupes just because I like I don't know like the seat position normally is better for tall guys. Oh, yeah. Because they usually make the rear seats useless anyways, so you can, like, I don't know. It just seems like the roof line's usually pretty good. Yeah, you fit in my BRZ just fine. Yeah. And you're significantly taller than I am. I That's one reason I kind of want a BRZ, because I was like, oh, it's a tiny sports car that I actually fit in. Right. It's not a Miata. Right. It's not a Miata. Although NCs, I actually fit in NCs pretty well. But just not the NDs. Yeah, NDs, they got actually a little bit smaller, so interesting. I, I just lost a little bit of headroom. So it, it's still, ND is definitely still better than the NA or NB Miatas. Yeah. But NCs are the biggest and that's what I fit in the best. And I sold a set of wheels to a, a guy who had an NC and I had to look up his specific lug pattern because he thought he was looking for four lug wheels. So I had to oh, stop no, they're, him. they're five. <laughs> yeah. I had to stop and be like, hang on and look up his specific five lug pattern and find him wheels based on that. Five by 114 probably, right? I think it was five by 114. I don't think they're five by 100, which is interesting because the... Four lug Miatas are four by one hundred. Yeah, yeah. I think so. There's a lot of RX8 DNA in the NC. Oh, and that does run five by one fourteen because mm-hmm. people like to swap Z wheels over to it. Yeah, in fact, I, I was looking it up. The uh, oh shit, I can't remember the the name of the company that makes like the full drift suspension kits. Oh, uh, Wisefab. Wisefab. Yeah, yeah. Their kit fits either an NC or an RX8. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> so it's literally interchangeable it's the suspension same kit. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, you know, I've seen people with 240s running around with RX-8 wheels and they look good. Yeah. No, RX-8 wheels are really good. I was going to mention, do you remember, I think it was on the way home. Uh, do you remember the RX-8 from X-Men? Yes, from X-2, Cyclops' car. Yeah. Yeah. And it had like... Had a little wing on it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I actually got the um, 
this is going to be like a really specific rabbit hole. <laughs> there were these uh, these mini RC cars that Radio Shack sold for a long time mm-hmm. that they they would snap into the controller to charge. Okay, and I think I know what you're talking about. I can't about. remember what they were called, but what they were they like Moto Q or Moto G or they had some like really like it was almost like a '90s soda sounding name, like okay. like, like all radical and everything. <laughs> <laughs> Extreme spelled with an X in yeah. the beginning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But they uh, they did a, a – I had the RX-8 from X2. I had that version of that RC car. Um, but, yeah, those were cool because you could swap out motors and yeah. everything. Yeah, yeah. I had uh, – I'm trying to remember. Like before those caught on in America, there was a – I know what brand you're talking about. I actually imported from Japan. That's where those like those mini ones like originated. Oh, that's cool. And I imported one of those. And, yeah, it was the same thing though. Basically, because you could change out the motor or the gearing or the tires. And this thing was like, it was literally smaller than this yeah. Lego kit that it I have sitting here. It was almost the size like, of like a Hot Wheels car. Yeah. It was just a little bit bigger. Yeah. And all this customization was like crazy. It had like yeah. different compound tires. I'm like, when yeah. will that ever matter? <laughs> <laughs> but as a little kid, having yeah. all these options, yeah. it was so cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I remember that when that came out, X2 hyped up the RX-8. Yeah. When it, really it first did. came out, everybody was crazy about it. Yeah. And then it just didn't really survive well enough. Um, I mean, it was up against the 350Z, which produced significantly more torque and mm-hmm. a little more power. It was kind of the beginning of like internet culture taking over car sales. Like, yeah, you you know, yeah, you know, I think without internet culture, the RX-8 wouldn't have sold as much. Well, I think it would actually sold better. Really? Because I think there were too many people on forums arguing about, oh, well, this one makes more power, you know, without taking into the fact that the RX-8 is lighter and more nimble, you know. That it has its traits better than the 350Z. That is interesting because, yeah, after having driven them both now. The RX-8's chassis is a lot more fun to play with. Yeah, I believe it. The 350Z is kind of a pig. Yeah, it's it. You know, it's got enough power to move its weight, mm-hmm. but the RX-8 feels so responsive. Yeah, it has that Mazda ness to it. Yeah, yeah. That's the only way I can describe it. Even if you drive like a regular Mazda three, you're like, this is kind of fun. Yeah, yeah. The suspension it makes you want to play with it. Yeah. Yeah, I remember driving up an RX-8 up the mountain road for the first time, and I'd been used to my WRX fighting understeer. And I drove the RX-8 and the first corner of the rear end came out. I'm like, okay, let's have some fun. Right. And drifted it up the mountain. It's the same argument with the BRZ. Yeah. On paper, yes, it doesn't compete with a even a V6 Mustang for that only costs a few grand more. Right. But then you drive them and you're like, oh, this is these are completely different experiences. They are. They are. They're, it. It's a complete... Honestly, the BRZ probably is more of a direct comparison, even in a driving experience to the RX-8 yeah. than any of these other cars we've talked about. They're nimble and tossable. The RX-8's got a longer wheelbase because it's, mm-hmm. it's technically a four-door. Yeah. And the back seats are usable. Yeah. That, uh, then that's why I do want to build an RX-8 at some point in the future because it's tall guy friendly. Yeah. I can actually fit in it. Yeah. It has a good wheelbase for drifting, It, but it's still light enough and small enough for a track car as yeah. well. Yeah. Uh, they used them at uh, Skip Barber for skid pad training. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. I just... I think people are sleeping on RX-8s. I, and, you know, I that's why I've come so close to buying them. Because you used to be able to get an 04 RX-8 for $3,000. Yeah. That, you know, for what what passes for an RX-8, it ran. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you wouldn't want to depend on it. Right. But I almost bought one before I got my BRZ. I almost just sold my Miata and got an RX-8. I almost bought one a few years ago because uh, the guy only wanted like 1500 bucks for it. He said, and I knew what was wrong with it because he said he drove it to the store and back. Just down the road, 
And it wouldn't start after that. Oh, it was just flooded. It's flooded. Yeah. They do that all the time. Yeah. All you have to do is just 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 stand on the gas pedal. Yeah. Yeah. Or even if it's super flooded, just pull the plugs, let it, you know, rotate it over, let it dry out, and then do that. So you, know? you don't even need to transfer pump it? You just pull the plugs and let it dry? Yeah. Just, I mean, if it's flooded, it's just, everything's just soaked in okay. gas. So you just need to air it out, basically. Let the, let the gas dry out. Wow. That's all you're doing if you're in clear flood mode. You're just pumping a bunch of air through there to try to dry everything out. That's funny. So I was just, I was just like, oh fuck, I should buy this. And I just I was like completely broke at the time, you know. <laughs> I didn't have two bucks to my name. So and you know Mazda did two recalls on that motor while the RX eight was in production. Yeah. And so for a long time, and I, I actually did this a couple of times, I would see an RX eight at a used car lot, take a picture of the VIN, call my local Mazda dealer. Hey, is this eligible for the recall? Right. And if it is, you can buy this RX eight, take it to Mazda, get a brand new engine and put in your used car you just purchased. Right. I think now I know that the O4s that they are all out of date now. Yeah. I think I think it had a production run until about what, 2012, 2013? I don't even know. I don't was it that long? It it was it was a surprisingly long time. Huh. Um but if you uh if you got the latest models, I think you still you might still be within that range and you could go piss off your local Mazda dealer. <laughs> right. <laughs> because they have to they have to overnight parts from Japan. Which, you know, it's COVID, so they yeah. have to wait a year for a rotary engine to come in from Japan and so, fix it for you. Yeah, so you might be waiting a while if you right. take that strategy. But hey, it's worth it if you buy a $1,500 car with a blown motor, get a new factory installed. Right. Uh, and rotary. then you save up money, so the next time it blows up, you can put a different engine in it. Yeah. So, uh, whatever. It's not like a secret. I like want to keep my secret idea in my head. Yeah. Uh, but, Secrets out. Yeah. But I found a uh, transmission adapter. That for the RX-8 transmission to bolt up to the 1.6 EcoBoost from the Fiesta ST. Which is really, really cool. Which would be so perfect for that chassis. Which if there's a transmission adapter, are there mounts for the motor? There's no mounts. So people did this. It's technically, uh, I didn't know this, the, the smaller EcoBoost engines share a block design and bolt pattern with a bunch of old, the hell were they? I think they were called the Sigma engines, which is like... The old, uh, like, escort stuff. Oh, okay. Like the super old rear-wheel drive escorts. Yeah. The ones that were really popular in the UK. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess the transmissions they put behind those engines in those cars are like glass. They break all the fucking time. So people have been figuring out ways to adapt better transmissions to those engines. And their RX-8 transmissions are ubiquitous because the cars are all broken. Yeah. So it was like a nice cheap swap to a nice better gearbox. But then I was just like, well, shit, that means this is the same block design as an EcoBoost. Yeah. And that would be that would be so great. Because you can be fun. You can easily make 300 horsepower, 300 foot-pounds of torque uh, out of that 1.6 turbo, which, no, is not like fire-breathing no. for a RX-8. But it's a lot more than the RX-8 came yeah, out. Yeah, the normally. RX-8 had like 230 and like 180. I think it made 170 foot-pounds yeah, of torque. It was, it was not a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And the automatic only made like 210 horsepower or something like that. Right. And you're still like a small displacement Revy engine. Yeah. I, just, I, I think that would that would fit the car very well. And I think you were saying via text that that might be eligible for Club TR. It might be. Which that would just dominate Club TR. I would think so. So that's because, how we can take down the gears of gasoline, guys. Right? Because <laughs> that's the reason I was looking at S2000s. Because S2000s are kind of like the, the star child of that class right now. 
It's like they make good power. Yeah. You can put really wide tires on them. They're nice and light. They're rear-wheel drive. Yeah. It just checks all the boxes for that. Yeah. You know? And I was just like, man, what can I uh, – well, I was looking at S2000s. Right. And I was just like, I don't want to spend 30 grand on an S2000. Which is wild. That's what a clean AP2 will run you now. I know. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So, I was like, well, thinking about it and like RX-8s are eligible. The only thing I, I might have trouble with is they say you can't change from NA to forced induction. But because this is a rotary. Yeah. There's usually exceptions for rotaries. Right. It's but, like, well... You know, the rotary already kind of has like an advantage over NA engines. Yeah. So I think I could talk them into it. Well, in a lot of racing series, the rotary is allowed to carry more gas in its fuel cell. Right. uh, Just because they drink more gas. So I'm like, just let me put this 1.6 turbo in it. You know, it's like, I don't know. I think I could convince the guys at Grid Life to make that, uh, give that the okay. It's such a weird swap. They never ever consider that in the rules, you know? Yeah. I've never seen that swap. Yeah. And that would be fun. How how uh, common, how easy is it to find one of those motors? Um, not too bad because they actually put those in some escapes too. Ooh, if they're in escapes, they'll be everywhere. Yeah. That's cool because, yeah, people love just discarding their <laughs> Ford escapes. <laughs> right. That's all they're really good for, <laughs> yeah, honestly. It's like so, a styrofoam cup. Yeah. So, the engine itself isn't that hard to find. Let's see, that's they're, cool. They're like bulletproof. I, I don't know. I think that would be a really good swap. I know people are out there like, no, put in a K-series and do all this stuff, make 500 horsepower. It's like, no, that's not the point. Right, right. I mean, because everybody's K-swapping everything now. And the right. K is a great motor. There's a reason for that. Yeah. Yeah, um, don't get me wrong. Like, there's plenty of plenty of engines I could put into an RX-8 and be happy with. It's just yeah. I think this would be, like, my ideal rear-wheel drive, like, coupe. And they'd be so much fun, man. Yeah. Yeah. So... We'll see. Hopefully, we can get to that project at some point in time. Uh, that is a, a big project because I don't think anybody's ever done yeah. uh, done that, you know. So It's a good thing you know how to weld. Right? It's <laughs> un- uncharted territory, you know. It, it, on, in theory, you know, you can get a nice cheap adapter kit. And you can get a nice cheap engine and a nice cheap RX-8. Yeah. And then you're going to put another ten grand into all sorts of shit trying yeah. to get that thing to work. How are you going to wire it? I don't know yet. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing I was thinking about. Can that Ford ECU work outside of the Fiesta ST? Yeah. Or would I need to do all sorts of weird shit to get that to work, you know? Yeah, well, if you have to go standalone, that drives up the cost significantly. Right. And also means I can never get that thing to pass emissions. I mean, could it? was there a chance it could pass emissions before? I don't know. <laughs> I think if I kept all the factory, the Fiesta factory, like, emission stuff. Okay. You know? So as long as it had a cat. For a, for a transverse mounted. As long as it had a cat. Okay. You know? Okay. And that's really the only emission stuff on it. Well, EVAP maybe. I don't know. It'd, it'd be a lot of work and a lot of like a lot of money, a lot of brain power. But I think it'd be cool, man. I think it'd be worth it if if we could make that work. Yeah, I'm willing to try it. Right? Yeah. So we just need we need to get your garage uh, furnished. Yep, that's what we need. We need more parking. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We we need to add on to your garage and have some some bigger work area. Then the religion of speed compound will begin. Yes. Gen 1 Religion of Speed Comp. Yes. <laughs> oh. Well, I think we're going to call it on that. If you have any advice for me on like this swap idea, if somehow somebody out there listening has been crazy enough to go down this rabbit hole as me, hey, reach out to me. I'd love to hear what you have to say. If you're like, bro, don't even, don't even bother. Um, I want to hear that too. Uh, you can always email us at uh, contact at religionofspeed.com or you can get a hold of us through our social media channels. Uh, Facebook and Instagram, it's religionspeed.co. 
go subscribe to our YouTube channel. I have a couple videos in the works right now. Might be months till they're up. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's how things go around here. Uh, but that's YouTube slash YouTube.com slash Religion of Speed. Um, I think that's all all the things. Oh, religiousspeed.com. You want to read our articles too. Yeah, there we go. Our, yeah. our own website. Yes. There's so much social media we forget to plug ourselves. <laughs> right? <laughs> Nobody goes to their like individual websites anymore. Y'all, yeah. It's all social media based. It was just funny. That's the way it used to be. Right? Yeah. Then, uh, of course, the show notes for tonight's or today's show tonight. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what time there was. Sun's going this. down. Yeah. It's almost tonight for us. Yeah. Um, all the show notes and links to our stories that we talked about will be at religionspeed.com. And yeah, I think that's going to do it. All right. Oh, wait. Oh, we need to thank the uh, the band Wheels yep. for the use of our theme song. Um, Colors. Colors. Also uh, album Traveler Part 1. Um, and you can find them at wheelstheband.bandcamp.com. Yep, that's it. All right. I don't think we missed anybody there then. So that's going to do it for us today, Heretics. And until next time, peace out. <laughs>